amen right there. Uh, we turn to 2 Samuel 23, 2 Samuel 23 and John chapter 4. 2 Samuel 23 and John chapter 4. Tell you what, this Christian life is a lot easier if we just give it to the Lord. The problem is we don't like to give it to the Lord. We like to do everything ourselves. I'm the chief of that. I'd rather do it myself. You say, why? Because, well, because I know I could get it done in this amount of time usually, even if it means the heat won't work right in the winter. Amen. Which, by the way, uh, things are looking really good in the boiler department. Uh, Brother John's going to come in and do a, a really deep dive test this week, but things are looking really good. Like, it appears that everything is working properly more than it has in, like, like, like 30 years. So it's really encouraging to see that. Amen. Uh, here's in 2 Samuel chapter 23. This is, this is David at the end of his life. He's on his deathbed, and a writer is writing down David's thoughts for him. These are literally like the last words of David as David recalls the highlights of his life, particularly concerning his mighty men. And if you don't know, uh, there was uh, David... David's army, but, but particularly he had like some elite soldiers that he called his mighty men. Chapter 23, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of God, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, and he goes on throughout the chapter talking about how great God is, and he prefaces all these things, and then he gets into the meat of what he's saying. Verse 13, he says, and three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in harvest time under the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Brother Shine, I'd be honored if you'd open this message in a word of prayer, brother. Philistines have come, come in and they've taken over Bethlehem at this point in history. And David and his men, they're in a standstill. And David is stuck in the cave of Adullam. Uh, Gary Duty wrote a wonderful song called The Well of Bethlehem. If I knew it, I would love to sing it this morning. I don't. One day I will. Uh, look it up. It's a good song. That, that's what I love about Gary Duty's songs. They're very biblical and doctrinal. I, I love it. But this battle is personally harder for any normal battle than David because it's in his hometown, Bethlehem. Uh, it's David's home. It's a place where he grew up. It's a place where he raised sheep as a shepherd boy. It's, it's a place where his daddy would have taught him how to use the well. It's a place where his daddy would have showed him, hey, you can get water here anytime, 365 days a year, 24-7. It's a place where... where 
David would have used the well not only to get a drink of water whenever he needed it, but also to get water for the flock that he was taking care of. It's the same place where David had victories over a bear and and over a lion, and no doubt there was probably wolves and other predators that he had to take care of. David knew these hills like the back of his hand. He was a shepherd boy here. This battle had to be personally harder than any normal battle. Sometimes we're in battles in life that are personally harder than normal battles. Amen. We can all relate to that. This was the same place. This was the same home where David came home to after chopping off the head of Goliath. There are memories here that are tied to this. It's the same place where Samuel came and anointed the future king. Amen. All the while, the well of Bethlehem was the center point of the city. It's a place where everyone went to draw water. And I can tell you, and we can all agree, there's no, nothing better than a cold drink of water on a hot day. Uh, I'm so thankful for our little water machine back there. I, I love it. Uh, I like it even more than I thought I would. Uh, amen. But to make matters worse, the, the cave of Adullam where David is, is probably close enough to see the well of Bethlehem. There's debate over that. You, you could see it, but depending on the weather, depending on uh, people are in the way, depending on uh, what time of year, if you could see through kind of the trees... But from the cave of Adullam to the well of Bethlehem might be attainable to see it if you look hard enough. It's not that far, Brother Ron. I can only imagine as he's held up and they're in a stronghold and he's, and he's in the cave of Adullam with, with, with some of his men. He's got these taunting memories of how awesome and how cold and how wonderful that water is out of the well of Bethlehem. These are just some natural things that would happen. You're in battle, and you're like, man, I'm thirsty. Man, the well of Bethlehem is right over there. It's not just that there was cold water there, but it's everything else that went with it, amen. They didn't have watered, uh, bottled water back then. They didn't have Gatorade. They didn't have ice-cold Coke. I don't know how they survived. The cave probably didn't even have air conditioning. You know, it doesn't even make any sense to me. I don't think there was a Walmart in Bethlehem. Amen. But can I tell you this morning, ever since I was a boy, there's been a well of water that I could go to, that I could, that I could go to 365 days a year, 24-7. My dad is the one that showed me how to, how to get that water. My dad is the one who led me to the Lord, showed me what salvation was all about when I was just a boy. And, and not only is, that, is there a well of water that I can go to when I'm thirsty, whenever I'm thirsty on a hot day, and I have a lot of hot days. Did you know that we need water even when we don't realize that we need it? Even when we're not thirsty, we still need to be drinking a lot of water. It's our spiritual water. And it's not just water that I can go to whenever I'm thirsty, but this is water that I can share with anybody else. Whether I'm responsible to them or somebody else's flock or some other friends, I can show them where the water of life is. Amen. Just like a cold drink of water on a hot day, as so it is spiritually. 
Oh, it's a cold drink of water on a hot day. Anybody that studies their Bible and doesn't just listen to what people say or just passively, but, but actually studies their Bible to try to understand what it says, God's going to give you a cold drink of water on a hot day spiritually. Amen. Number one, the word of God is the well of Bethlehem. The well, uh, the, the, this well is literally the center point of the church. Uh, Jesus is the word. He, he made that clear. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was what? The word was God. Amen. This is where we draw our water from. This is our well of Bethlehem. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 13. We're actually probably already there. John 4, 13 says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jump over to John seven thirty seven. John seven thirty seven says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We should be consumed with living water this morning. We should be eating it. We should be drinking it. We, sh we should have the mindset of we can't get enough. But just like physically in our carnal, secular world, you know, most people are dehydrated. It's a crazy fact. And I say that, and I'll say this. I was at camp, and I woke up uh, the second day. I thought, man, my foot's like cramping. What's that all about? And I started thinking, because now I'm out of my routine, right? I started thinking, oh, I had two Coke Zeros. Um, I had, like, coffee or two. I had zero water throughout the day. Oh, it affects us. Most people walk around dehydrated. We don't even realize it. Spiritually, people are walking around dehydrated. I'm talking about Christians now. But people are, the lost, the lost they're, they're walking around spiritually dead. They're not even alive. But those who are alive in Christ, that we have uh, the spirit flowing within us, amen, we walk around spiritually dehydrated because we're not drinking of the well of Bethlehem like we ought to. Yeah, there's times when we're thirsty, man. I can't get enough. I want to drink of this living water. But, you know, there's also times when you think that everything's a-okay. You don't think you need it. You still need it. We, we still need it. Amen. You don't have to turn there, but Revelation 21.6 says, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. We take that for granted, those of us who are saved. But the well of Bethlehem wasn't just a drink of water. It was everything that it represented. It was the whole package. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was the ice cream snicker bar on the way home. I've used that analogy before, and if you don't know, uh, every time I would have finished a job, particularly a hard job like a big deck or a roof or something, I would always get a Coke and an ice cream snicker bar on the way home. And I wouldn't get it during the job at all, but when I was on the way home and I had to be paid too because I had to be done. But that was my celebration. But it wasn't just the snicker bar, just the Coke. I mean, that's awesome in and of itself, but it's everything that goes with it. It's the peace of mind knowing that, man, the job's over. I don't have to worry about nothing no more. Woo, load off my shoulders. 
It wasn't just a well of Bethlehem where it was cold water. I mean, that's great in and of itself, but you know what else it is? It's the fellowship around the well of Bethlehem. It's everything else that goes with it. The security that you get with it. Knowing that it's there, knowing that, knowing that it will always be there, knowing that there's people that you can trust, people that you can have fellowship with. Oh, it's good to know that it's there. Amen. I don't think that, in the context, I don't think that David longed for a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem just for the water in and of itself. He was thirsty, and he longed for a drink from the well of Bethlehem, but it wasn't just the water. It was everything that it represented. Folks, the Word of God is the same, the security, the encouragement, the comfort that it brings, not just each individual drink of water, but man, it's the whole package. I thank God for, for, for the word of God, and yeah, that's enough, man. That not only sustains me, but that, that'll cause me to thrive. Amen. But it's also the whole package. We come to church for a reason. So we can be plugged in to what's going on when I know that Ben's going through a hard time or Brother Shine's going through something. I know how to pray as opposed to just thinking about myself. It makes a big difference. It's the whole package. I think about when David said, I was glad uh, when they said to me, let's go in the house of the Lord. Amen. It wasn't just, and I'm speculating here, David probably wasn't just thinking, man, I can't wait to hear uh, the scriptures being read and being preached. Amen. I'm speculating, saying, I bet you it was the whole package. Man, I'm glad to be in the house of God with the fellowship among the people and everything that goes with it. David is in the, in the cave of Adullam, and he is right in the middle of a battle. And he's thinking, man, I'm thirsty. You know, there's people going through battles right now that we don't even know about. At camp, I learned about a lot of things and a lot of people going through issues and, and amen. And it changes how we worship, changes how we pray, changes how we come into the service. You know what, off, know, know, what the, know what the average Christian in America probably does? I'm speculating, but I think I'm right. I come into the church house. All right, man, I'm tired. I worked all week. So exhausted. What time does church get out? Okay, 12.30. Okay. Hope we don't go long today because I got to do this today. All right, I'm doing good by being here. I'm putting my time. I, uh, I didn't actually read my Bible this week. I prayed before my meals. Uh, probably about 12 seconds on average is my time for each prayer. Um, but my mindset right now is myself. I'm thinking about me. Opposed to walking in the church house thinking, what a blessing it was that the Vipons came out. They've been out coming out every week, getting something done, finding something to do around the church house. What a blessing that is that Miss Linda uh, counted the church money. Man, I, I'm going to... Let me pray for them right now while I'm thinking of it. But what a blessing it is that Brother Brian came out. He's been cutting the grass and doing such a great job. I mean, you know what? He's on my mind now. I'm going to pray for him. Now we have a different mindset coming into the church house. It's not just the drink of water from the Word of God. And that's, that sustains and that thrives and that's awesome. But it's everything that it represents. David longed for that. I would pray that we also long for it. 
2 Samuel 23.16. 2 Samuel 23.16. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem and was by the gate uh, that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink there, but poured it out unto the Lord. So all of a sudden we read there's three men that risked their lives to get a drink of water for David. And then David poured it on the ground. He was probably so thirsty. Number one, the word of God is the well of Bethlehem. Number two, zealous but wrong. Zealous but wrong. And we see this a lot, a lot with young Christians that want to do things on their own and they don't follow the proper chain of authority. I've used this illustration before. I'll use it again quickly. The very first side job that I ever did with somebody else, we teamed up, and uh, we did a bathroom remodel. And we're tearing out the drywall and the insulation. And it's a small bathroom. I mean, it's the little ones where, I mean, it's like, it's little. The, 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 the floor itself, I think, is like, what, three and a half by four, or three and a half by five, right? And then you got the tub, right? So we're tearing everything out. It's a total bathroom remodel, floor joists and everything. We start out by tearing out the drywall and insulation. And we're throwing everything right out the window. Deal with it later. Throwing it right out the window. The guy I'm with, I don't think he ever worked a real job in his life. He's always probably just a labor guy. The, the floor is two feet of insulation, two feet of dry. I mean, it's loaded. I'm chucking it. We're working. He's got a, a trim broom, a little kitchen broom and a dustpan. And he's sweeping the corner like this. Getting that done, just like, what are we doing? That is a complete waste of time. You, you do that later. Let's get the rough stuff and we'll sweep later. Who, who cares how dirty, the, how clean it is in one little square? <laughs> he was zealous, but he was wrong. He was wrong. He wasn't doing it properly. He says, well, I was getting some work done. Yeah, in his mind, he was getting work done, but he was wasting his time and he was about near a waste of my time because now he's in my way. I, 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 the first time I did any framing job, a guy from church came to help. I mean, I'm talking, my dad built a porch uh, 60 feet before it even wrapped around the house and went around the back. But at the moment, it was just 60 feet of roof. I never framed nothing in my life. Two by six joists, right? This guy from church, you know, the know-it-all, I'm going to show you how it's done. He comes out and he lays them all out. He lays out all the boards and he tacks them out. He put them all in the wrong spot, every single one. He was zealous, but he was wrong, Brother Jim. Boy, he was wrong. I've rushed to build walls before. I've I, I framed for a number of years. And, uh, you know, you, you learn after one wall, if you didn't square it properly, um, to make sure you square it in the future. Because that is such a bummer to pull all those nails to re-square that wall. Zealous, but wrong. I, uh, unfortunately, I've made more money doing roof jobs than any other side job in my life. I know shingles, and I'm not bragging because that's awful. Don't learn shingles. Don't ever be a roofer. Don't buy a, don't even own a pickup truck because you have to move stuff. Amen. But, uh, I was trying to beat another guy. I think we were racing on each side. And when you do a valley, uh, the modern way is you run through, and then you come through the other way, then you chop them, right? So I ran one side, I'm running the other side, and I'm in such a hurry. <laughs> I nailed 
all this side on top of the other shingles and like I mean that takes two or three hours to fix I mean that's just a nightmare a nightmare to do I was zealous but I was wrong these three men decided they heard Dave David apparently say he wanted a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem and you know these three men let's go get him a drink of water and I can just see, I can picture uh, 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 teenage boys. I mean, we spent a, a, a time with them in, at teen camp. I mean, they're zealous for the things of the Lord. And you know what? They're probably going to do things wrong. I can about guarantee it they're going to do some things wrong, but they're zealous. I would rather deal with somebody doing something wrong out of being fervent for the cause of Christ. Amen. But these three men, they thought, man, we're going to get David a fresh drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. And they fought Philistines just again. I don't know. I'm guessing it was some sort of canteen, right? We don't know exactly what it was, but something that held water. And they fought the Philistines to go get it. And they came back and they gave it to David. And David took it and dumped it out. David's wise, man. It's like, uh, who, who was it that, uh, this isn't part of the message, but, um, Uriah, what a man of character. He slept on the, 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 the front porch of his wife's house, wouldn't even go in unto her because out of respect for his men, David didn't drink that water because he didn't want to pat the back of somebody that was risking their life, risking everybody else. You know, if those three men would have died, now everybody else's lives would have been more at stake because they would have lost three of their mighty men. David wasn't supporting that. They were zealous, but they were wrong. Remember, remember Peter tried to chop that soldier's ear off or head off? Being up chopping. I mean, think about it. If he chopped his ear off, I mean, he was really trying to chop his head off. He was zealous, but he was wrong. You can be zealous in what you're doing for the cause of Christ, but you can be wrong in how you do it. I felt that coming for like two minutes. Amen. Amen. Peter stepped outside the authority of Jesus Christ when he tried to kill that, uh, it was a Roman soldier. They were coming to take Jesus. He stepped outside of Christ's authority. Did he have a good heart? And was his uh, zeal right? Was his intentions good? Yes. But he stepped outside of authority, doing it his own way. He was wrong. These three mighty men, man, they had a, a zeal for the God of Abraham. Man, they were, they, they got behind David. They're like, I want, I'm with you, David. But then they stepped outside of his authority because they didn't ask him if he, they could go. They just did it, risking their lives, also risking the lives of the, the men in the cave. You know, the, the Bible doesn't say that um, 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 we can only speculate. We, we kind of assume that the Philistines knew that David was in, in the cave of Adullam. But maybe those three men risk, risked uh, showing the Philistines where David was. We don't know all of that. We don't need to know all of that. These three men were armed with nothing more than misguided zeal, trying to do something for the cause of Christ, trying to, or the, 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 the cause of the God of Abraham uh, for their uh, leader, David. And they expected everyone to cheer them on. They're like, hey, where's my encouragement? Cheer me on. David said, no, I'm dumping this water out. 
you were wrong. You risked our lives. You did it wrong. You could have killed us in what you were doing. You had no idea because you stepped outside of the authority. They expected encouragement, yet they got rejection and disappointment. They were irresponsible. We, we had a Irish Hills were framing a house. Irish Hills were framing a house in uh, three stories plus a walkout basement. So basically four stories high out the back. Our crane would not put, it was just a few inches shy of safely putting the, the trusses up on. I'm the middle guy. It's my job to catch the next one. Two guys around the sides. And we made a decision, you know what, the safety latch won't work if we leave it on to put these trusses up. We can take the safety latch off and we can make it work. We stepped outside the authority of what we are allowed to do. Well, guess what happened? A truss came down, split in two, and knocked one guy right off the edge. He fell, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I do not exaggerate stories. I hate it when people do that. To the contrary, I probably do the opposite because I don't want to be under that. But he fell, and not within a foot or 16 inches of every a circle of his body wasn't like uh, pallets of, of shingles or, or lumber or cement. I mean, it was looking down at him. He's like in this position, and it was uh, scary. And a helicopter came and took him, and he ended up being okay. Amen for that. We stepped outside of our authority, what we should have been doing, and boy, we caused some major issues, major insurance issues. He could have lost his life easily. It was over 30 feet. When it's 30 feet, they send a helicopter no matter what. You know why? Because it's often fatal, 30 feet and above. We had good intentions with our zeal, but we caused a lot of damage, and we almost killed somebody. That's what happens when you step outside the authority that's above you. Concerning the three mighty men of David, their zeal was misguided. They caused unnecessary risk in the big picture. Their offering to David wasn't even accepted, even though David would have loved to drink from it, I'm sure. But it was because of disobedience in how they handled themselves. Man, if we could get young men and young women to understand, hey, how you handle yourselves matters because we got younger children looking at you. We got younger Christians looking and seeing what you're doing. Are you there? Are you teaching? How do you act? What's your response to the authority above you? If Wyatt sees Ben complain about what dad, mom and dad are doing, Wyatt, you know what Wyatt's going to do? He's going to complain too. But yet we think about ourselves instead of thinking about the big picture. Number one, the well of Bethlehem. Number two, zealous but wrong. Number three, God works through authority. All the time, every time, he always has. Always, always, always. I got um, the highlight of my life, amen, uh, uh, for this pastor. Uh, I actually uh, was in handcuffs and brought in the back of a police station. Did you guys know that? Yeah, this good little church boy. Uh, stealing... Baseball cards. Yeah. But you know what my dad told me? God works through authority. He used the authority of that police officer to bring you to me. And then he spanked me good for it. And then I was grounded. Then I had to memorize Romans chapter 6. I highly recommend it. 
But rogue Christianity is not blessed by God ever, 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 ever. Uh, Romans 13.1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. We need to be under authority. First Peter 2.18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only uh, to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. Ministries are always sent out from the church. Joe Hicks was always uh, uh, sent out from the local church as prayer Baptist for a gazillion years. I'll never forget that man at Victory Baptist of Farmington. He had a zeal to preach. He had no interest in teaching the kids. He wouldn't cut the grass. He wouldn't show up for nothing. He wanted no part of any activity uh, for the teens. He had wanted no part of the youth rallies, circles that were happening. He didn't care about getting the teens to camp, any of that. He just wanted to preach behind the pulpit. Preacher said, hey, we need help in the junior class. He said, nah, I'm good. The preacher is trying to show him, hey, God works through authority. That man eventually quit going to church. Him and his wife got divorced. Neither of them go to church now. I know them both personally. Turn to Colossians 1 9. We'll turn to two more scriptures and we'll close. Colossians 1 9. Colossians 1 9. If we could understand that God works through authority, boy, God would. <laughs> Woo, that would help so many of us in our lives. We have wives that are bucking uh, the system on their husbands because they don't want to submit to their husbands. We have children that don't want to submit to their parents. We have uh, students that don't want to submit to the teachers. We have uh, uh, an entire population, seemingly so, that doesn't want to submit to the authority of the police officers. Yet whenever they run into a problem, who do they call? 911, help me, help me, help me, help me. Yet, yet whenever the, the child has a problem at school, they, teacher, help me, help me. Whenever the children has a problem, mom and dad, I need your help. Colossians 1.9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Amen. That you may walk uh, worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. That is talking about applying the fruits of the Spirit in our own lives. If we would apply that to ourselves and just not think, oh, yeah, that person I'm sitting next to needs to hear this. Not, oh, my brother or so-and-so needs to hear it. If we would apply it to ourselves. These three mighty men of David, they were great warriors. They had accomplished many great things under David. They had enormous potential. Can I tell you, there are people out there, we were talking just yesterday, there are people out there that have great potential, but Satan will squelch you with issues in your life. Yet they chose poorly and foolishly. And they missed the entire bigger picture of what David was saying. It wasn't specifically just a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem that he wanted. But everything that went with that drink of water and everything that represented. Can I tell you, sinner, that it's not, just like the 
the, the, the cold drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. It's not just showing up to church and putting your time in that, that makes really the difference at all, but rather the big picture of everything that goes with it. Putting yourself under the authority of an almighty God. A God that gave himself for you when you so didn't deserve it. No matter if you were born American or Chinese or Japanese, if you were born in a first world country or a third world country, you don't deserve Christ. None of us do. But God sent his son to die so that we can literally take of the water of life freely spiritually so we can literally never thirst again. We live so much in the carnal world, in the physical world, we don't even think about spiritual things to our shame. To the shame, those three mighty men were only thinking about, man, David will be so proud in, in my fervency. I'm going to do something. Yeah, it's going to be great. Not thinking about the bigger picture. The lost man's thinking about their life right now, how they could further in their life and take care of their family and what they can get your, your best life now, Joel Sino say, which is biblically absolutely wrong. It's not your best life now. He is wrong for saying that. It's your best life then. <laughs> Amen. If it was your best life now, he owes an apology to a whole lot of martyrs that have died for the cause of Christ. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God where he will abundantly pardon. Psalms 34 says, O Tatian, see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Christian, we have a water of life that we can draw from freely spiritually. If we could just get our minds out of the, 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 the carnal gutter that we live in from day to day, from what, we're, what we deal with and what we're living, our thoughts, uh, everything is so carnal. What we think, if we could get, be spiritually minded, growing in the fruits of the Spirit that we just read about, that Paul told us about in Colossians, all of a sudden, what's going to happen? We're going to be spiritually minded, putting ourselves under authority. I want to serve under authority. Not going to be my own rogue Christian. I'm going to do my own thing. Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. During Galatians 2.20, our last scripture, we'll close. Galatians 2.20. Paul knew and he understood the bigger picture of the will of God for sure. More than just one drink, but rather what it represents. And here, Paul wrote Galatians 2.20. It's really the sum of the bigger picture. The sum of the well of Bethlehem is, is summed up right here in Galatians 2.20. The sum of the bigger picture of what really matters. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's that water of life that's flowing freely. Amen. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I thank God for the day that I tapped into the spiritual well of Bethlehem. And I learned to drink it up and to eat it up. 
but in our spiritual walk, wouldn't it be good if we'd, we'd go back to that well and learn to drink from it and get, get full from it? I know you've been saved for 30 years. I know you've been saved for 10 years. I know. I know. You, 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 know, you know all the steps to the well. You know who goes to the well. Uh, you know, uh, you remember how the well tastes. You don't really feel thirsty, but here's the thing. You're probably dehydrated, and you really need to drink even though you don't even realize it. The well is always here. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for the well of Bethlehem uh, spiritually, God. Help us to not take your word for granted. Lord, help us to be mindful of...